Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. You're probably going to hear some children in the background because we are closed off in a sunroom and they are fascinated. Well, they just lost interest. Well, you'll hear them back there. Donovan here and I'm joined by Brett Erickson. Yes. What are you drinking there? A bubbly. Bubbly. Let me ask you this. So you said you were thirsty. I looked for something refreshing. I opened the fridge. I found a bottle of champagne. I said, let's sip on it. It's 2 p.m. This is Brett Johnson, by the way. <laughs> is that a problem? Is that a problem? It yeah. Could, yeah, I suppose it could be. Is it? For me or in general? In general. Like, is that, did we just sin? Are we? Well, I haven't taken a sip yet, so you did. Oh, yeah. Why? Well, Johnson, came, Brett I, Johnson. <laughs> I came in with, with much sin. You thought it was, so uh, I thought you I said, could, then again, I tricked you. You said, what is this? Uh, ginger ale. Ginger ale. <laughs> sparkling water. <laughs> what, what is the hang-up? Like, if it was 9 o'clock, you know the hang-up. If it was 9 o'clock, and I said, hey, here's a little glass of champagne. Yeah. It's 2 o'clock. Yeah. Not a problem? Let's change the subject? For me, no. You, could you imagine that being a problem for anyone? Absolutely. Why? Uh... Wow, how much time do we have? I mean, you have various We'll reasons. do a series on this. Yeah, could we? Um, yeah, it could be a, a problem for an alcoholic. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but for them, it wouldn't be a problem at 9? Well, I'm not, say, I'm not saying it well, wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. What is it particularly uh, yeah. about the 2 p.m. thing? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think any... I mean, I, some people may have a problem at 2 p.m. Some people may have a problem at 5 p.m. Or six or seven. Oh, okay. Eight. Let me clarify. Yeah. I don't think... I'm not asking... Of course, it could be a... Pro, someone could have a problem drinking at any time. My is question it, is... This is not there's a champagne people glass, that may have. Way. Yeah, that's true. Some people would have a problem with others drinking at 2 o'clock. Just... Yeah. Because it's 2 o'clock. Others who don't have a problem with drinking, but nonetheless, they are drinking and they're drinking in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, I think it has a lot to do with... For example, I'm going to throw someone... I interrupted you, but look, Garrett Warfield. I'm <laughs> yeah. naming names. Um, I, I or someone gave him a flask for Christmas. Yeah. He immediately... This is Christmas morning. <laughs> he immediately gets up, goes in the kitchen, pours whiskey in the flask, and sits there and sips from it while we're opening presents. Sure. And let me just say, everybody wasn't thrilled about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Maybe. Because it was 9 a.m. instead of 9 p.m. Right. I guess. Yeah. Although I've heard stories of your family Christmas gatherings, and so that could be, a, could be a necessary evil. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. I think, I think uh, I'm curious, like, how culturally bound the issue is, too, yeah. right? Because I remember, so I, I did a, a stint in Spain, and people would get a drink in between classes didn't matter what time it was um yeah or if it was 2 p.m on sunday it'd probably be all right i remember so and then i worked uh in germany one summer and and i rolled into to paris on a saturday morning at seven o'clock met these uh two girls from austria and they invited me to come out hang out with them and i said okay and at 7 30 they were going for a drink 7.30 7.30 a.m. A.m., yeah. Not coffee. On a Saturday morning. Yeah. They said, we need to get a drink. And maybe they were alcoholics. I have no, no <laughs> idea. Maybe that's why. But we, we went and we got a drink. Well, that's neither here nor there. We are here to talk about mercy, I guess, in general, we'll see. more specifically. Yeah, we'll see. Mercy Ministries. Before we get there, would, who would you... If you've seen the movie Being John Malkovich... Oh, man. Okay, I don't, I don't recommend it. It's dark and sick. Here's sure. the premise. I don't think I've ever finished it, actually. Here's the premise. is that Would you remember they, they find this portal yeah. behind the desk. You can slide See. down the portal, and suddenly you're inside John Malkovich, like the actor, right? right. He, he plays himself in the movie. and So these losers that have no life like pay money to slip down the, the portal and, and live vicariously through John Malkovich for yeah. 18 minutes or something that spits you out on the side of the portal. It was Andy, Andy Kaufman, right? Yeah. Not, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's the producer. Yeah. Um, so anyway, outside of anyone in the Bible, whose portal 
Am I slipping into? Yeah. Um, outside of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. You can't be all holy and be like, oh, the Apostle Paul or Jesus. Like, no, no, no. Man. You get 18 minutes, man, just to see what the heck. It's quick, too. Right? I'm not saying you live their life. It's mm-hmm. 18 minutes. Yeah. Mm. I just thought of mine. Do you have, you have an answer? Yeah, but I want to hear yours. Yeah. Well, I don't have an answer yet. Oh. So why don't you share yours and maybe I'll have an answer. <laughs> Here's what popped into my mind. Donald Trump. Well, yeah. I just thought it'd be so absurd. Because I think he's got to be loony. Sure. I, f- I feel like Kim Jong-un <laughs> would be more fascinating, man. Like, what's a day in the life, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, what kind of theatrics are there like for breakfast does he have like a like a dragon come out and serve him you know eggs benedict and is he just while, constantly while, while, while there's like you know uh, political prisoners like just rotisserieing over a fire or something i mean <laughs> i mean I, I just have no idea or is he like getting up watching the view maybe hit, maybe hitting the uh, elliptical <laughs> maybe pulling some weeds in the yard like what what is that dude's life like Yes. I, I think I'd, I'd rather do 18 minutes there than yeah. in Donald Trump. I'm sold. That's better. Yeah. But I think the, the thing is we both went for... Um, political absur- power. Well, <laughs> absurdity. In political uh, power. Yeah, yeah. Not just like yeah, <laughs> corrupt power. <laughs> that's where... That's what where do you our, fantasize our about? Are, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Just a list of dictators. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about being a celebrity or having you know having money or yeah or, or like doing good it's no. just like who's got the most corrupt <laughs> Stalin like, profile oh gosh <laughs> Nero yeah is he in the bible Nero he's near no, the he, he, he's near he, the bible yeah he didn't make it he didn't make the cut <laughs> he didn't make it. he's in the movie though the bible movie I don't know oh maybe did you grow up watching Bible movies? Because you grew up in the church, right? Like churched. You churched. Well, yeah, yeah. I grew up watching Veggie Tales. No, I didn't watch Bible movies. I watched uh, moralism movies, like more like these legalistic movies, like the Buttercream Gang. Oh, and uh, you're, you're no. heard of them? Yeah, they had a, a two part. You making the distinction as in someone may have said they were Bible movies, but you're not allowing them that that, that title. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're doing? Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, there was really nothing about Christ or, yeah. I mean, even Christianity. Oh, just good tales. Like they would pray Fables. at the table. Yeah. Maybe would be as as deep as they got. You know, they would. Uh, you know, there would be no swearing or violence. It was this kind of nice moral tale that had a happy ending. So those are the movies I, I would say I grew up with. So then, did you do you appreciate that, or do you look back as like, well, do you show those movies to your children? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Um, I don't, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if, uh, I mean, I appreciated the movies at the time. I enjoyed them, but I think too, like we showed Abraham, our oldest, the Lord of the Rings, like the age of three. And, uh, after you watch that, it's really hard to go back and watch a nice movie about the artistry is not even there. Oh, none of it. Yeah, screw it. Well, that's a moral story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, 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 yeah. Sauron doesn't win. He's not the hero. Sure. But it, it's dark. Yeah. It's and we, we have a great reference every time our kids are uh, whining or complaining. And, you know, we just call them Gollum and <laughs> ask them what their precious is. and Shame them. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Works great. Good. Well, let's get to the topic at hand. Okay. Because this is going to fly by. Sure. I was asking you what you wanted to talk about, and you said Mercy Ministry, basically. Is that fair? Yeah, just because I was running out of ideas. I was interesting. I was with a group of pastors today, and I used the word mercy, and he interpreted that as Mercy Ministry. And I was, I was like, oh, that's telling. That, that says something about where he comes from. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was talking about, man, we need mercy. And he was going, yeah, man, the Old Testament talks about justice and mercy. Right. As which I'm sure you have a lot of those references here, is do justice and mercy. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. But just the simple use of the word mercy, he... Had that connotation. He's PCA. Maybe that's why. Yeah. So let's back up here a little bit. Yeah. Why did you want to 
Talk about this. Well, I've been in it for the past four years, and there was two years before that. And How long have you been in Mercy? Oh, man. Um, I guess since day one, right? Ultimately. It's all Mercy. Yeah. Man, how do you answer that question? I'm getting a summons from a child. All right. Um, Anyways, whatever. Yeah, Mercy I mean, ministry. Vocationally, vo- voluntarily. Uh, yeah, I've been you know doing it here and there for a while. So why? Uh, probably because I know in my sin I am inclined not to. <laughs> Dang. Um, I think that uh, I think I, I desire to to do good, to do justice. I have a desire for it. Um, and so mercy ministries have helped me pursue that. And so to, let's and back up even well. further. Like yeah, what, yeah. let's define this. When we say mercy ministry, yeah, yeah. What, what do we mean? What is that? Well, you know, I, I didn't bring a definition, but I would just say it's a, it's a parish church that provides a platform for the church to go out and to, mercy ministry is a parachurch. Well, often it can be. be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 and again, maybe you have to define parachurch. Like, could the church do mercy ministry? Absolutely, and the church does do okay. mercy ministry. Normal mercy ministries are more parachurch bound, or or, or more para, are usually parachurches, and they ultimately provide platforms just for the church to go out into these spaces, whether it's um, you know working with the poor. Uh, you know, uh, immigrants, refugees, and to be able to build relationships and ultimately see the gospel go forth um, and meeting, meeting, you know, these physical needs, obviously, um, but ultimately as a means to, to meet spiritual needs. Looks like you have some biblical references there. Maybe do you have any that um, on your in your notes or mm. there even that you think can help round out like when we're talking about? Because you may—I don't want to just assume when we say mercy ministry, you're carrying— you know assumptions into what that means like what what are we talking about so ministry to the poor you know something you said yeah yeah well I, you know you, i think of uh you know james 127 you know with true religion right caring for for orphans for widows i mean you see it all throughout the the old testament um you know with zechariah 7 8 through 10 and the word of the lord came to zechariah saying Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. So, you know, I mean, it's a call obviously on Israel, but I think we can uh, continue that as a call on the current church to practice that kind of mercy, Uh, you know, providing a voice for the voiceless, you know, it could be advocacy, um, but to just, uh, you know, meeting needs that people in need have. So, yeah. So there's like the general term mercy theologically, which is, you know, God looking at us as humans and being merciful, looking upon our poor estate. Right. And then, yeah. And then he's going to move toward us and, and do good to us and help us. Right. And then, within that, you know, subcategory then, okay, then the humanity and particularly God's people, there are varying degrees of ability, uh, power, privilege, whatever you want to call it. And, and God is speaking to those who are able on the higher, on the sliding scale, they're more able, more, they have more money, more, uh, opportunities, more talents, more skills, more connections, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, the social fabric that gives them a sense of uh, well-being on this earth, and he says, "Use that right. to seek, look on those that don't have that, and be merciful as I've been, and help right. them, right? Careful." And, and then he starts listing people that generally fall under those categories. There sure. could be more, but people that are fatherless, yeah, right. They call it the the quartet of the vulnerable, so the orphan, the widow, uh, the immigrant, and then the poor. And so I, you know, too, just thinking, you know, what do you have that you did not receive? A lot of this to me is about stewardship, right? You know, what are we doing with what we've been given? Um, you know, whether that's money, our talents, our homes, our children, you know, even our, our families, right? Our, our, it can be a ministry. 
of mercy to others, certainly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's something that we see, you know, all throughout a call on Israel. I mean, it distinguished Israel in, in part, right, from a lot of the other nations mm. uh, that did not practice mercy, right? They did not care for the widow, the orphan. The Why enemy, would right? they? Absolutely, right? I mean, if if uh, there's no sense of biblical justice, you know, if it's more of a uh, social Dar- Darwinism, right, survival of the fittest, or... Um, it would actually be foolish then to let them drag you down. Right. Or even prosperity gospel, right? I mean, to think like, you know, I have that which I've earned. You know, I've been particularly blessed because of all, of all the good I've done or, or because of my own merits. And so, I mean, and I don't mean prosperity gospel as in Joel Olstein. I mean, I think that's the gospel of many other religions, right? You do good work or you, or you honor the gods and you receive a reward. An earthly reward. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, either way. Yeah, you you do for them, and they will do for you in return. Yeah. Yeah, so you say, when would you say in your life um, did this become something you gave significant thought to? I think a lot of this had to do with just observing my parents. I would say we're, we're definitely mercy-minded. Okay. Um, I have... Vivid memory of my dad who had a, a friend who uh, was in prison. And I think, I don't know if he became a friend because my dad went to visit the prison uh, or what, but um, I think his name was Julian. And we would stop and see him and and being with my, my folks. Uh, and th- this wasn't necessarily a formal ministry, right? This was just a ministry, you know. As a personal a, ministry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, of the church, um, but not a not a parachurch by any okay. means. It was a, okay, okay. Um, and so, and I, and I think it just, yeah, it began to cultivate in me a sense that people who are uh, considered, you know, who are criminals, right, or who are poor, uh, have dignity, have worth. Um, yeah. They're people. And I, I think a lot of times, uh, without being in relationship with mm. uh, them, like, it's so easy to, uh, you know, object, object, objectify them, right, and to just assume they're, they're bad, and so I think I had a lot of uh, experiences as a, as a young kid kind of going out with my, I think my dad, I assume he deliberately took me with him to go, you know, to, to drop food off at people's homes. And, um, and then, yeah, just I began to be able to connect with these people who were suffering in these various ways. And, and I think that was part of just my cultivation for this desire. But and two have, have been able to witness it. And, and I think, too, man, to me, like, mercy ministry, whether it's formal, informal, just the ministry of the church, being on mission in the community to, uh, you know, the least of these uh, is amazing because you get to witness God do a work, right? Yeah. I, you know, I, I come into a situation and you know, I can't rescue or save or fix anyone. And mm. a, lot, a lot of times, you know, even in my work today, um, but even historically. I'm, Which is what? What's your work today? So right now I direct a ministry called Safe Families for Children in uh, Iowa. And so that's helping families in crisis who are um, typically socially isolated. They have nowhere to turn to if they're homeless or if they're undergoing a medical emergency uh, for care for their children. So uh, we have volunteers from our partnering churches who host children for these parents while they get back on their feet so that... DHS doesn't have to get involved, foster care doesn't have to get involved, that parents maintain full custody, full rights, full dignity, and uh, to help keep these families together. So that's what I've been doing for the past four years. But, um, but, you know, a lot of these situations that we enter into, you know, I I, I don't always have a lot of hope that it's going to turn out. Um, And we, you know, we step into this first and foremost as a response to what God has done for us through Christ. Uh, secondly, in obedience to the faith, and we say, let's see what God might do. When you say you don't have a lot of hope it's going to work out, what, why is that? Well, I mean, just there might be so many things going against uh, uh, a parent, right? They, you know, I mean, homelessness is pretty devastating if you've seen it, you know, up close. Um, I mean, right now we're helping a mom who is incarcerated. He gave birth in incarceration. Mm. 
and she, you know, has a history of, of substance abuse, um, you know, lack of familial supports. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's hard to, to come, come back, come out of that, but she wants to have a chance to be able to continue to parent her child. Right. Like any parent would want to have, right. Uh, rather than the child becoming a ward of the state or just going uh, into foster care and be given up for adoption. So, um, so, you know, these situations, we, you know, seem very difficult. Uh, they may seem like, man, there's not a ton of hope here. Right. Yeah. But here's the church, right? These volunteers who are saying, hey, you know what? Can you hear that? Yeah, that okay. was. Yeah, I don't know if just... everybody else can, but yeah, it's probably the bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> I poured some on the soundboard. That's right. Um, so anyway, you step in these situations where you feel completely, or not completely, but certainly in part inept, limited, um, confronted by the fact that you're not Jesus. <laughs> And then you get to see what God would do using his body to help bring reconciliation and transformation to, to help keep families together. And, uh, you know, we've had a pretty good track record of, of doing that. And I think it's mainly uh, a result of the Spirit's work <laughs> through, through the church um, and and just a, a joy then that the volunteers have knowing it's incredibly hard work. But the joy of man, like, what's more important than helping keep a family together, you know, here, you know, on earth, right? Like, sure. To, to yeah, seek this, I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, my kids being in jeopardy of being taken away from me, right? I mean, that would be insane. I, I don't think I could handle it. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, yeah. it's like, what, what would I do, right? If DHS came in and said, I'm taking your kids. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I would respond to that. Not well. That's get that true. AR out. It's time to get the AR out. Yeah, I got, uh, I'm not going to get a license. Um, Just call me. Um, yeah, let, I will. Let me throw out some things that I've heard along the years that you know, get your in, in, that are relevant to this topic and just kind of get your response. Um, I've heard um, Christians, white Christians, say things like, and we want to go plant a church or start a church in this poor neighborhood because they need Jesus. And it's like, well, they do need Jesus. That's true. Is that how Ma- is that how Mongo started? Well, I wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can I'm, well, I'm sure motivations varied. Yeah, sure. I don't know. So I'm not necessarily naming names there, but I've seen this. Mm-hmm. And part of me just goes like, why are we assuming they don't know Jesus? Right. Like, I think there's maybe, and this gets back to, I mean, this is related to what you were saying. Like, you walk in a situation and it's like, there's so many layers of um, support that, that you and I are held up by. Sure. That simply believing the gospel will not automatically help. There's, you know, the, the goal of the gospel isn't to make people middle class. It's not? I guess. Oh, I don't think yeah. so. But they certainly, it certainly might help heal some. Like for me, I would say it helped me becoming a Christian, stabilized me emotionally so that I wasn't just constantly given over to drink and drugs and just destructive behavior. It's like, oh, I've kind of healed. Yeah. Like, oh, now what can, now I'm focusing on, oh, other things like working, which God calls us to do and, you know being a support and a blessing to others and then over the years that that built a life yeah but i also wasn't necessarily in the position that some people are where you know i also had um you know a certain amount of education up to that point or i had you know friend support or something like the point is that i think those things can get conflated and it's like well we when evangelical middle class people reach out in mercy ministry to um lower class people I think that so I've seen sometimes the hope kind of be that like man they'll they won't they will no longer be poor and lower class yeah like, they'll be saved in middle class I guess yeah, yeah. I mean I don't think people say that explicitly but yeah I think you see it manifest when they when they get frustrated that there's a perpetual challenge yeah you know like oh yeah they've they love Jesus let's just say they love Jesus when you met them or they came to know Jesus but you're kind of like, well, shouldn't they start 
shouldn't they change? Shouldn't they stop needing constant help and constant? Yeah. If we went in, we did the thing. Right. Right. We we helped them with word and deed. They should live like us now. They should change. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading into things that aren't there. Do you, do you feel like you've been ex, you've experienced that kind of thinking or? Yeah. Well, and you know, I think too. I'd be curious how this operates cross culturally, but I mean, so much of of our view, and maybe you know, Christianity makes a whole other podcast. But how much of it is is bound by uh, economics, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, how how insidious, like a like homeschooling class. Well, that is very insidious. Well, well, but, I mean, like that's bound by economics. Like, oh, yeah. In some circles, homeschooling is the Christian thing to do. Sure. Well, you're assuming the mom doesn't have to work right. because the father earns enough to pay for both right. families to... Now, that's yeah. an economic contributing factor. Sure, yeah. I mean, is it something like that is what you're talking about? Like the norms that we attribute to Christianity? Maybe not that one particularly. Or- yeah, but, you know, I think... Um, yeah, it's, and it, yeah, I mean, it probably changes from, from place to place, even in the U.S., but just particularly how how middle classism informs Christianity and the way we understand Christianity and our expectations for others as they um, become Christians, right? Uh, Give me I, an example or two. Well, I, I think like just what your example is saying, like a lot of times when, um, you know, we're helping a family out, you know, we, we provide obviously uh, support, you know, it could be financially, um, it could be, uh, you know, related to, to helping them find it work or childcare, these types of things. Um, and it's, and it, I think there's a, the assumption that if we give all this, if we do all this, then the return of that will be that people are saved and people will like financially, maybe not prosper, but be financially stable. Right. right. And so like there's not this, in crisis. constantly. Right, right. And so, so, and so much of how we view, uh, stability, perhaps, or a desired outcome of helping someone, kind of in the context of a mercy ministry, um, you know, we uh, I think may have some assumptions that that also includes financial stability. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. And so, Which is not necessarily this. Not necessarily. It's not the promise of the gospel. No, not at all. Not like at I mean, all. so in, in here, it's maybe you could say, okay, like, hey, you're just two neighborhoods over from. A more financially stable life like it's possible i guess within the realm of possibility that you you know your habits could change your relationships could change and but man go to india yeah and go to like where the the, the lepers live right and they believe in jesus like guess what yeah they're still lepers they're not like changing anything socioeconomically right and they desperately need the church to care for them right in their state um you know the, but some of them that they are the church well, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, they're, everybody's poor. Right, right. <laughs> like, it's like church and acts. Yeah. Wow, man. So some of this presumes the ability to actually cross socioeconomic barriers. Like, I guess that could happen in India. But as a whole, there's just a lot more poverty. Yeah. You know, like, and, and then, yes. All right, yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah, anyway, I, I just think, I think, in getting to the point you brought up, I, I do think oh, yeah. that middle classism... If I can call it that, is insidious in I would say American Christianity, or maybe American even evangelical qualified Christianity. Um, and we have Dave Ramsey to thank for that. Oh no, I'm, I'm kidding. Guy. Yeah, um, I, you know I, I I don't know I, I it it would be an interesting and you know maybe I don't know if we want to spend the time talking about it, but it, it is interesting because I think a lot of times that is the expectation, right? Like. What does it look like for um, your investment in someone to pay off, mm-hmm. like in a mercy ministry context? Is it them, like you know, receiving the gospel? Um, is that simply it? And yet they're they're uh, still being in need of transportation or being in need of housing, or is it the gospel plus housing, the gospel plus job, the gospel plus financial stability? Right? Or is it even that? What if it's not even them receiving the gospel? Yeah, or, or it's just I, I'm just ha- I'm happier that they've found housing yeah. and good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, have a good or look. I mean, I, I think I, I think you'd agree with this that 
the essential reward, and it's okay to have reward. God calls us to seek our joy in Him. The essential reward is just imitation of God. Yeah. Right? I'm merciful. Now go and be that way. Now, there may or may not be certain responses and outcomes, but the very posture itself is the reward. Right. Being a, Having a true sense of God's mercy toward us, the beauty of that, yeah. seeking to imitate that. And then the rest is... Well, it's a, it's a mercy to be merciful, right? It's a yeah. mercy on the church to practice mercy. Because in doing so, we get to witness and behold more, I would say, fully God's mercy, which is... So I certainly think great. that as I've thought about groups and how we incorporate mission into groups, <clears throat> I think this is overlooked. I have certainly have erred in that in my group. It's like, oh, I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to work, to work together, to build relationships, to... You know, but to reach people, to you know, share Jesus with them. But this idea of mercy ministry, as obvious as it should be, just kind of has escaped me. Like, oh, that's actually really obvious, biblically commanded, really yeah. beautiful. A lot easier. I don't mean it's easy, but I mean it's actually really difficult to figure. Okay, how does this mob of people try to socially engage with that mob of yeah. people? When you're trying to force these weird constructs that don't exist. Yeah. It was like, well, what if we actually just tutored refugees? Right. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, well, and I think this is the purpose, hopefully, of, of a good mercy ministry is to make it easy and accessible for the church to be able to, to practice mercy, right? To go out on mission um, and to do it well. And I think, I, think a lot, I think the hard part, at least for me, and why I've been thankful for Mercy Ministries is because there's so many, oftentimes there's so many options of what you could do, right? If you just did it, you know, for, quote unquote, organically. Sure. Um, to say, hey, let's go, you know, throw a block Let's go be merciful. Or go into the, uh, you know, the, the low income area and, you know, try to pass out backpacks or something like that. It's, it's, it's well intended maybe, uh, but... It's just hard to, I feel like, to make the most of it. So to be able to have people who've been doing it, who, who have uh, know what they're doing, who have had success, know the and, context, and say, hey, just yeah. enter into this with us. That's good. Um, is helpful because I mean, I, I, you know, I suck. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, and so I will often, you know, in my sin, try to talk myself out of doing. Uh, of mercy of, of uh, you know participating uh, in a, a ministry of mercy because I'll just say well you know I don't, I don't have time for it or there's just so much or you know that ministry you know I heard this about them and um, rather than just going out and doing the doing something right and yeah. not just doing something to do something but yeah doing something to as a re again as a result of uh, the call that we have on us as believers to, to go out and to practice mercy, to do justice, but two, to know again that, that God is gracious to us and that these are means for our joy, right? Yeah. Like, I don't have great joy when I live for my luxury and I live for my convenience. It might, it might be pleasurable to one extent, right? Um, but I'm not like looking back at the end of a day where I just watched football all day and drank bubbly and yeah. then like, Oh man, that, that was, was rich. that was a great day, right? Yeah. No, it's going well, everything in measure. You know, I think know. It's, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying, and I, so I'm not saying, yeah, we got to go out and everyone has to do that. Not saying there's not days where we can watch football like that, but I think I think it's that's just, easy. It's checking the heart, right? And it's check check. Yeah, I think it's checking the heart, and I think too just um, seeing. I mean, you know, just thinking of piper right like not wasting our lives right like what are the what are the subtle ways the cunning ways in which we get i mean i would say co-opted right satanically and even ways that are culturally seems innocent yeah innocent okay well um, football doesn't seem innocent to me i don't know how come oh it's basically like the coliseum i'm not, just kidding everyone not, are, just are you not entertained no, i saw i did see a uh a meme about that this week. Well, not a meme, because it wasn't a joke. It was some Facebook post where the guy was literally comparing oh, it, football to the Coliseum. It, it was the guy's head, like, getting squashed or crunched. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I saw that, too. I'm like, all right, chill out. Um, okay, here's one I've heard or seen on social media and stuff. If the church would do its job, we wouldn't need the government. What do you think of that? 
and I just came out of left field and you know, unprepared. <laughs> you know, like if the church would take care of the poor, then hey, then we wouldn't need Medicaid for all, and we wouldn't need you know food stamps. Like, but yeah, sure, church. We, okay, so here's where that sometimes that comes from. Generally speaking, white evangelicals vote right, right, and then when they don't want to, you know, grow social fabric pro- social programs. You know, the, yeah. the critique comes back, well, we only need these because you're not doing your job. If the church would do what it's supposed to do, then we wouldn't need the social programs. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. To me, it begs the question, what's the purpose of government, right? And, you know, you're going to get various answers uh, with regards to that. I think a lot of this, you know, as we look at the Old Testament, I mean, Israel was a, a nation state, Right. Right. So there was a government, and it was God's people right. at the same time. And so I think a lot of times that becomes perhaps the easy reference point for um, what the church today should look like, right? Rather than, um, you know, the church in Acts, right? Like, you know, Rome didn't stop governing even when Constantine came to power and, you know, Rome became a Christian nation, Um there was still government that was involved. I don't know to what extent, what welfare programs they had. And you could say, what was the churches and what was governments? You know, I don't know. I, that'd be a good uh, uh, topic for a historian to, to look at. How mm. did a Christian Rome operate um, with regards to, yeah, mercy ministry? But, you know, I, I think, yeah. I, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have a strong opinion on that comment i think it depends on the role of of government i mean knowing that too we're we're not in a christian nation uh as much as mike huckabee might be saying we were or we are um you know i think that uh i think that uh there's certainly um things that we could be doing better obviously as a church sure yeah no doubt about it um and if we were functioning you know fully uh you know not through a mirror uh a lens dimly um you know it probably look a lot different but you know and we continue to sing come lord jesus come right it's good um, that's a good uh measured answer yeah i think it's true like yeah can we do better sure on the other hand are we is the church here going to alleviate poverty and suffering in the world i don't think so well until we're talking about i don't know i mean not to use the the term loosely but the upside down kingdom right like i think you know i mean i you know you look at the church in in early rome right it was in poverty <laughs> it, there wasn't a lot of money there obviously they were they were sharing things you know probably looked more like a socialist socialist government um you know people were going without needs and so um i think uh I think there's there's things. Hold that, on a second, because someone's gonna. Uh, uh, I want to hit pause on that. Yeah. Do we need to edit that out? <clears throat> no, I want to be clear because I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it looked like socialist government. Well, in, in the in the sense not of fully, but you know, just the ideas of so re- okay, so d- distributing wealth not as a you know here's a standard, but just meeting needs of each other, right? So yeah, and that's it's important. It's a response to needs. Yeah. And so, so when I hear socialist, and probably a lot of people in our audience, it was centrally, centrally controlled means of production and control. Like it wasn't like the apostles came in and said, "Okay, everything's ours everything's and equal each, wealth from and, each according yeah. to their need to right. each according." You no, know, it was, but it was a more liberal flow of charity and generosity and love. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. In response to, to meeting each other's needs, right? right? Caring for the body. Um, so yeah, maybe socialism isn't the greatest reference because it's too loaded, obviously, in the connotations, but. Um, but I think, yeah, getting back to the point, um, you know, like the, the, the fact that the, the church is it, if, if the church was doing its jobs or job, I should say the, its job, uh, would there be no poverty? Would there be no um, sin? Yeah. <laughs> That's actually really what kind of what they're saying. Right. right. Which would be an interesting uh, answer for a that's that post mail. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It'd be an interesting answer for a post mail. When someone says that, I should be like, "Oh, I didn't know you were post mail." Yeah, you and Doug Wilson. Yeah, I'd be curious what Doug Wilson has to say about that. Okay, I could go on forever with questions and things like that, but I know you came in with some thoughts prepared, and I don't want to anything particular. What, what, what's important to you, Brett, about this? Anything you want to make sure we don't take the next twenty minutes and not cover? Yeah, um, 
I mean, I, I don't really have any particular notes that I would say I feel necessarily uh, okay. I need to, to put out there. I think, you know, I, I feel like one, you know, maybe one thing would be, um, you know, what are some problems with with Mercy Ministries and doing Mercy Ministry? Yeah. Have you read... Uh, like, When Helping Hurts? When Helping Hurts? Charity? Sure. Yeah, how do you think through... I feel like I still don't know how to think through that, so... I read it, if I give a fair summation of it, you're basically saying, look, when you're involved in mercy ministry, there's ways that you can help that are not in the long term as helpful because you're, oh, I don't know, not helping people take responsibility or you are establishing a, um, not patriarchal, what's the word, a uh, paternalistic paternalistic relationship. And I'm just like, Oh, gosh. And to me, it almost seems like the book can just be used as a... Re- well, see, that's why we don't yeah. do mercy. I don't know. Yeah. What, what was your take from that book? And Yeah, so I think uh, for me, what it helps expose are, one, either uh, wrong motivations or, or ignorance, right? I think um, sometimes, you know, there could be a, like just a real uh, zeal to help people in need just because... It's good yeah. to help people in need, right? And so then you go and you try to find people in need and you try to help them according to how you understand mm. what you think they need. So um, that's a pitfall, just not even knowing. You're just like running ahead without knowledge, zeal without knowledge. Right, right. Um, yeah, so and, and that, would, that could be considered an, an ignorance. Uh, I think, too, you know, there's the, the, I guess, you know, the distinction perhaps of, of charity, right? You know, charity just, which might fall in line with that previous example, but but doing good for the sake of doing good, rather than, um, and, and I, I think this man is like rather than like doing good as a response to the good that's been done to you, right? Um, I think oftentimes it's easy to do good, to do mercy, to help people based upon your uh, your ability, your merits, right? Mm. Uh, rather than really seeing yourself <laughs> in your weakness and your sin and the fact that uh, God made you alive together with him when you were dead in your sins and your trespasses, right? Um, and so I think oftentimes it's it lack, and to me this is kind of the distinction of what does it mean to do gospel-centered ministry? Um, and I think that's that to me can be a pitfall that that people don't really understand that that why am i like i you know i've had people who have been interested in doing safe families and you know i always ask like why do you want to do it and they're like well i think i can really help people like why do you think you can help people oh because i have a degree in social work and i have a a nice house you know they're 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 talking about them they're all their attributes right all their uh, all their quote-unquote goodness that they think they can pull from that as a well to help people and what I want them to see is they can't. That no matter how uh, many resources they may have, no matter how "quote unquote" good and uh, smart they might be, like why they, can't they, they help? They, they need to pull from a deeper well, um, the well in which has ultimately helped them, right? Okay. Um, and so I, I so I see that a lot. I think when um, mercy ministry is really kind of dealt with more like charity. Rather, and, and again, charity is a response to my goodness rather than a response to God's goodness and what he's done for me and my badness. Um, and there's grace in that, right? Like if I'm helping somebody with this kind of asymmetrical, uh, paternalistic disposition uh, where I'm coming down to them. That's like my whole ministry. Yeah. Well, you're saying God can still use that. Well, that's right. He's great. Oh, he, praise yeah, the Lord. God of grace and mercy. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... I feel like like when 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 I'm coming down and helping someone, I assume that I have what they need, and I'm giving it to them. And if they can't get it together, well, that's their fault. I'm done with them, right? Mm. Rather than if I come to them, um, you know, and like, you know, as we see in Philippians, like, and I actually consider them better than myself, even in all their need and like ex, you know explicit sin and brokenness. Can I see them as actually better than myself? And if I do that, why are they better instead of equal? 
Well, I, I think ultimately, I mean, I, and maybe I'm uh, exegeting this wrong, so you can rebuke it. But I mean, I, I always keep going back to to Paul and, and Timothy, and he talks about himself as the chief of sinners, right? Like, if Paul can call himself the chief of sinners, you know, the Apostle Paul, right, the the greatest missionary and preacher the world has ever known, if he can call himself the chief of sinners, because uh, he knows that deeply in his heart, like, why can't I? <laughs> That's what you're saying. Not necessarily objectively speaking, we're all equals, but you're acquainted with your sin. Right. Like you walk into that situation like, man, you, yeah, sure, they're sinners, but I don't know half of theirs or even the tenth of it, but I know me. Right. And there's a posture of humility. humility yeah. yeah. And, 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 and to just grace, right? When we see that we've been saved, that we've been rescued, when we didn't deserve it, then we can operate out of grace and mercy, right? True grace and mercy. And I would compliment what you said with Blessed are the poor. Um, and, and, you know, Jesus saying it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, God's going to break the paradigms all the time. The church is filled with the rich and the poor. But sure. he's. I think there's a biblical case to be made for richness blinds us in a way that's unusual, that's, that poor people don't experience. Right. They're in some way, maybe closer you know, to their need, closer to their sense of weakness and... And so in that sense, there's maybe there is something, you know, I don't need to speak metaphysically who's better or existentially, but yeah. just they, they may have an experience, and the Bible seems to point to the fact that they probably have an experience that you could benefit from. Right. Their perspective on life and hope and... Right. Well, and I well think, they should do mercy ministry then. Hold on a second. This is all jacked up. I thought that's why we were they here, should, to talk about how the poor should do the mercy ministry. The poor should do to, mercy to ministry the to the rich. That's right. They're being so selfish. Well, 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 they are. Like when they show up and they're like, hey, can I get some help? <gasps> or maybe that's they how are. they're helping. Oh, yes, come on now. That's <laughs> what it is, man. They meant it. God meant it for good type thing. Oh, geez, dude. My mind just got blown. But 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 seriously, but seriously though. You're being a little tongue in cheek here. <laughs> they're offering you help. But they, you know, they are. <laughs> God, God, God is offering you help, man. It's God knocking on the door. Yeah, seriously. And the grace, just the grace of that, man. It's like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And the lady shows up, the beautiful princess shows up disguised as a wretch, and the beast is revealed. Right. And and she is in need of the beast's help. Right? Yes. Or the, or the father's. I can't remember the story now. Yeah, yeah. Can, the prince, we'll, at that point, he was a prince. We'll, we'll finish he, the bottle and go watch Beauty and the Beast <laughs> after this. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Let me let me mix it up a little here. Yeah. More. Um, here's something else I've heard. If okay, so again, this is left right fighting. I see it everywhere, and this is this is within Christianity. Thankfully, not Redeemer though. Well, uh, <laughs> if the pro-lifers only care about children before they're born, that's what. Have you heard that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. The, like the whole, I think, I don't know if there's a term for it, but the full pro-life movement. Yeah, yeah if you're really for, pro-life, yeah. And so what I see there is, well, they, they may be, that may be true about some people. They may not even care before they're born. Maybe they just have a political agenda. But the, where it comes from, I think what this is usually coming from someone who's more left politically. Mm-hmm. They have said, there's a few steps to this. They have said, I love people. I want, and let's just say genuinely they do, you know, like not perfectly, but they love people. And they want to see, they love poor people, disadvantage, the disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. They want to see them helped. These are all the steps. The government can provide some help. Yeah. Food, medical care. Yeah, subsidies. All kinds of stuff. You... Don't vote for that stuff. Therefore, the first premise is wrong. Is you don't agree with. You don't yeah, love yeah. people. Yeah. Right? You say you love people, but only before they're born. If you really loved them. Due to so like government welfare programs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If you love them, the proof that you don't love people is that you vote against socialistic ideas. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the now whether now that's probably true sometimes. Sure. But I think the premise is there are not necessarily true, I think. Right. Well, it, yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, 
with I mean, yeah, with politics, it's it's a uh, it's a dichotomy, right? It's this or that. Uh, there's, there's there's no nuance. Uh, whereas I think, you know, and I understand if, if you're looking to government, right, to provide uh, the welfare, uh, ultimately kind of the source for for uh, people who are disadvantages, you know, welfare, whether it be food, housing, childcare, then I could I could I could see where you might make that argument, right? Um, but if you're, but I think then too, if on the the flip side, which which I think is the discourse, is that uh, the far or the or the right, not the far right, but the right would say that no, that's the work of you know the church and of uh, nonprofits, mercy ministries, you know things of that nature, and therefore you know the government, you know, shouldn't be. Or even truly believe, even truly believe, I think a real conservative, not someone like who really truly believes, and I I literally go back and forth on all this stuff. So I want to sit down, like I I get all confused because I feel like I can see the pros. Look, on the left, I think they could say this. Look, hey, part of the role of the government is to um, help push back against injustice and... uh, truly free market society filled with sinners is going to be filled with injustices and therefore we need the government to step in and correct some of those injustices sure it's like oh well okay (laughs) i kind of see what you're saying there well that was kind of case in point with the recession right the subprime mortgage yeah crisis and needing you know in that free free market right all this bad stuff happened you need the government to come in and provide regulation so it doesn't happen again accountability um, well, can I say the, the the good and and on the side of the right, I would say the a very good a good uh, a good conscience consistent conservative economic conservative would say, look, I do care for the poor, and I sincerely believe that what's going to work better in the long term is to not is to have freer markets. Mm-hmm. But you look at that and go, oh my gosh, there's. Some people are just saying that because they don't want to get taxed and they just want to have their business. But they would point historically yeah. to. Well, look at the more socialistic type governments have have ended up tanking, and the more capitalistic type governments have ended up prosperous. Now, yeah. you could, I think there's people that really believe that in good conscience. I can name them, sure, and they are people who have adopted children, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, they're absolutely. not like just you know like megalomaniac like money hoarding like yeah. It's not Donald Trump. It it it, it makes me think, and this may not be uh, accurate, but it makes me think like there's more of a secular humanistic perspective. In free market capitalism, which you would think would be more religious, right? And I and, and and more. What do you mean by that? There's more of a. Well, just this idea that uh, now what's best is that you know everyone uh, you know you know do the have, do the best they can, right? To have to have free access to to you know live the American dream, right? Free market capitalism and maybe, so maybe humanistic being trusting it. trusting in the goodness of humanity. Of humanity, yeah. Well, I think the argument would be, and again, I keep going back and forth. The argument would be that it's it, no, it, what it does is it decentralizes power. So like that's how kind of Piper would talk about. It isn't that people are good, but we can either have the central power of the government, sure, with concentrated evil, or we can say nineteen eighty scatter nineteen eighty four versus Brave New World, maybe good stuff like that. But then someone else would yeah. say. Well, yeah, all you do is you end up with an oligarchy of corporations control. So it's just, is it, is it going to be a government-dominated, right. d- centralized, controlled, corrupted system, or is it going to be a corporation-controlled? Yeah. And, and the unseen realm doesn't really care, probably. They're just, controlling all of just it. Just so long as there's control, right? They're controlling all of it, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and to, yeah, I mean, and just to, I think, to the danger is when we just, um, you know, ingest one you know doctrine and you know declare it uh, which is why i go to different types of church i go to the mormon church i go to the i don't want to just have one doctrine yeah so yeah no that's where we met yeah that's where we met is was the kingdom center kingdom hall kingdom hall that's right yeah 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 no i'm kidding you know what brett means here um hey political doctrine yeah we only have a few minutes here um okay so real practically in this area there's obviously people that and this is the other thing I think when, okay, so back to the, if you cared about life, you would care beyond the womb. Well, it gets to what you view the role of government. As some people view, they look, hey, I'm going to fight abortion. Well, why aren't you going to vote for this and that? Well, I'm not. I'm going to go and adopt children and I'm going to 
whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm going to volunteer at the, um, you know, the homeless shelter, whatever. Like, you don't know what people are doing. So obviously on an individual level, people are free to do what they want, pursue what they want, and love their neighbor. But if someone's here saying, okay, I want that help. Like, I don't know how to get started. I want to, I'm in the Cedar Valley, is as far what, as you know. Is that what this is called, Cedar Valley? Yeah, kind of Iowa City, yeah. Corridor, Cedar okay, Rapids, sure. Waterloo. Um, what What are some good mercy ministries I can go out and get involved in and just, just walk and imitate God's mercy and grow in that? Yeah, so you want like want yeah, to plug some stuff list. Yeah, as you've been around. Like, yeah, so obviously Save Families, I think, is a phenomenal ministry for the church um, and the platform it gives to do something that really is not being done in this way uh, anywhere else. So so there's that shameless plug. Um, I think, uh, yeah. And I Brett, mean, Brett gets 100 bucks for every... Safe family. Safe family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I got 200 bucks so far. <laughs> it's been a rough four years. That's right. Um, let's see. Uh, well, you know, I, I think in, it's, it's hard to say, like, um, you know, whether you're... In Iowa, I mean, you said Cedar Valley, so you gave me a, a wide terrain. But you can go now. Just what do you know? Yeah, but well, I think of you know something that might not be a um, overt mercy ministry, but like uh, just what's going on with uh, the the kind of family mentors that are partnering with uh, students, international students at Kirkwood. Okay, that's um, something our church has talked yeah, about. Church, yeah. yeah, our church does that, and I think that's a great. How's that mercy? Well, I mean, I guess what is it? I mean, you're welcoming, right? What, you're sure. literally welcoming. They're outside the of the immigrant, their... the stranger, yeah, the foreigner, yep. right? I mean, that's that that's that checks that box. <laughs> good. We get, give me one, two more boxes, and we'll go here. Yeah. Um, so, and and I think of this because there's there's I would say there's certainly um, uh, a, a lot of mercy ministries, particularly I've noticed in Lynn County. The question is, is what are the real sustainable consistent ways that families can vol- continue to volunteer right i think it's there's always like a one-off that you can do like if it's uh you know maybe you go serve a, a meal a mission of hope which is a good thing but that might be once every why are you looking for what that's months. important why did you say consistent and sustainable well i mean t- to me that's that's where the the fruit of mercy ministry really happens right it's i mean and not to say it can't happen like in a annual event certainly sure. it can um but I, but i think and two, we're talking about in mercy ministry, not just giving mercy and doing mercy, but also receiving yeah. mercy, right? Um, you know, God is on mission to us when we are on mission for him, right? And so <clears throat> and so I think that that to me that has to happen relationally. Right. And, and that and obviously is gonna be a consistent thing. So so there's a lot there's a lot of ministries that are out there that are good, like, you know, uh Mission of Hope, His Hands, um, but I, I just don't know how consistent the opportunities sure. are to serve. So I would, you know, but I would say, you know, there's other opportunities to be on mission that may not be partnering with an explicit ministry, mercy ministry, right? So maybe it's uh, like we, what we do in our group is uh, we uh, go to Hope Lodge, and that's a, a place in uh, Iowa City next to the hospital where uh, spouses and um, and family, adult family members who are um, whose, whose family members are undergoing treatment at the University of Iowa for cancer uh, can stay. And we provide a meal, we play game night, um, and we just, you know, try to build these relationships. Now, you know, that those relationships may not continue on because people then leave, uh, obviously, House of Hope, or Hope House. I can't remember the name of it now, but uh, House it's of like Hope. It's like saying ha- colored people and people of color. Those ha- are two different things. House of Hope is another good ministry, um, from what I hear. So... Anyway, I think that you could, I mean, foster care, right? That's a ministry, right? That's not with a specific, sure. explicit mercy ministry. That's with the state. Yeah. Mowing um, my lawn. And mine. Yes. Yeah, both of our lawns. Yeah, it yes. could be a mercy Look ministry. upon my estate. That's right. <laughs> my wretched estate. That. That's good. And I would add uh, refugee stuff. So this is yeah, where absolutely. you can talk to me, <clears throat> or Joe. Terry in Cedar Falls about what it looks like to get involved in an international ministry. There's refugee families coming into the area yeah. that there's a, and you can tutor students through the schools. I mean, there's, Oh yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot of options. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't want to just simply, when I talk about mercy ministry, talk about organizations, but just, just opportunities sure. there are to, to practice this. So yep. good. What's your favorite movie? 
Oh man, that should be an easy answer, right? It's. I mean, probably the movie I've watched the most uh, is Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Huh? So that's probably it keeps a good drawing you back. It does, man. Like, I mean, and it's great to take a like a nap too. I don't know if you ever tried that. No, you. Like you, you it's day. inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> the music. Yeah, is and so then you wake silly. up and Gandalf is on top of the hill, and uh, life is good, man. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's that's up there for me. That's probably it too. I, in high school, it was Fight Club. I couldn't get enough of that movie. But I was, was just telling Aubrey we need was, to rewatch that. I was also an yeah an anarchist back then. So. You were responding to the Butterbean movies. What was it? <laughs> that's right. It was a, it was a reaction, a <laughs> yeah. sinful reaction to. Now you're in the middle. Gang. That's right. And Lord Ma- of the Rings. McGee and me. It's a centrist. Yeah. So I'm finally balanced. That's good. It took a little while. What's your favorite movie? But it's probably Lord of the Rings. But it, yeah. So the other one that pops into my head is The Road, and I've read the as book a, too. as a movie. Yeah, both. Because yeah. I saw the movie before I read the book. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with Cormac McCarthy. And the book shredded my heart, dude. That scene at yeah. the end, oh, I cried like oh, yeah. so hard. And it's so, uh, I just a, can't imagine. You talking about, when you were talking about imagine your kids getting taken away? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what happened. You imagine no. yourself being in his role. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know the movie, it's a post apocalyptic movie. It's a father and his son, and there's everyone's. It's every man for himself. It's it's hell. Yep. And and he's got an eight year old son, and he and he has to protect him, and then he dies. Yeah. And he dies. Closing and he, know, and his he knows. Eyes. Yeah, he's leaving his son to fend for himself, right? Yes, and he told his son he would kill his son. Right. Yeah. If look, because he figured there's no hope for you yeah, if yeah. I die, and so I'll kill you if I'm going down. And at the very end, he couldn't do it, and. He, so he had the choice between killing his son right. or leaving him in hell. Right. And I, I actually rims. think that's not nihilistic. The movie's supposed, you know, he's supposed to be a nihilistic writer, but yeah. I think that's actually a positive message. He did not give up. Right. He held on to hope right. that there would be some reason to not kill his son. Does the, does the book oh. end, does the book end the same way as the movie? Yes. It does? Yes. So reinforcements come. Um, what about... Dude, I love No Country for Old Men. Yeah, I mean, that used to be one of my favorite movies, and the book's great too, obviously. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's it's funny. It's like a veneer of nihilism, but but like, what? what why is it so resonant, right? Like, so many believers <laughs> love Cormac McCarthy, and most believers, at least you know, aren't nihilists. Are nihilists, right? Yeah. Well, because what I think, so Aubrey doesn't like this stuff. I like it. Yeah. What it does to me is it takes me to intertestamental period. That's what it does. So intertestamental period. Yeah. So like in between the New Old Testament and oh, New Testament, okay, yeah. God has is gone. Yeah. He's not talking. All hope is lost. Oh gosh! Like we have been raided, raped. We've eaten our kids. Like right. what? And God is silent. Right. And there's a you cannot appreciate the incarnation. Without 500 years of silence. And yeah. I've never lived through that. Yeah. These movies bring me there. Like, oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm so suffering right now. <laughs> and Aubrey hates it. Yeah. And I go, it doesn't It doesn't leave me there. It makes me go, oh, praise God. Rejoice, yeah. Praise God that yeah. this is not all there is. Praise. It makes me re- rejoice, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, too, just the the... I don't know if I can say this equanimity. Ooh, I said it. Uh, that I think just of of the of the steadfastness and suffering, right? Like you see, like like Tommy Lee Jones' character in No Country for Old Men. I mean, he's confronted with an evil in which he's never uh, been confronted with before, and he does, and he's terrified, right? He's frightened, man. Remember, he goes to that hotel room, and yeah, I can't remember uh, Javier Bardem's character, but he's hanging out behind the door. And like he's just going in and like stepping into the abyss, terrified, but knowing that this is this is what he needs to do. It's on him, right? Which I mean, like as believers, like are we not also participating now? Obviously, knowing that Christ has gone before. That's why you love the movie, right? Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones goes before me in that movie. That's right. Yeah, Um, but I just think that it 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 just it's encouraging, right? It's stirring when you know there's so much reason to fear and be immobile to not go out and participate in mercy ministries just to walk mm, just you to, just brought it home dude <laughs> that's, that's a wrap <laughs> uh, 
Yep, that's it. Okay, Brett, thanks for coming. It's been fun. We'll have you back on. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. See you later. Later.